Welcome back to season 12, episode 13 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the DocSF Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefan Obini, and I will be your host for this podcast series. In our next episode, we will hear from Slim Soisi, and he is the keynote speaker that follows the discussion about the trends in the ASC panel. It was an extraordinary way to round out that conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Please join me as we welcome Slim Suisi to the Doc SF stage. Thank you, Dr. Bini, for inviting me to this conference. I'm honored to be talking to such a distinguished group of medical professionals. Today, I'm going to be talking about my experience coming from multiple other industries before healthcare and how we were able to accomplish some of these innovations, some of the work that we've done at the intersection of multiple industries and bring it to healthcare. I'd like to start with this quote from a Harvard professor, Dr. Clayton. So the most disruptive ideas often come at the intersection of two different industries where concepts that are commonplace in one are applied in a new context. So we really lived through this from my career. I started my career as a chief scientist at Motorola very early in the development of the cell phone industry from analog to digital. So I've seen all these transitions all the way to the iPhone, to the mobile hotspots, to the internet of things, to the connected car in different roles, either as a scientist or as a businessman in different companies. So I would like to share this experience and how when I was exposed to the healthcare industry, how I felt there's a lot of opportunities for us to innovate and make changes there. So I switched from wireless industry to automotive back in 2016. We happened to have an amazing product that's called MiFi. It's a mobile hotspot we created in 2008. It was basically Wi-Fi in your pocket. And we sold millions of this device. And I had a customer in Jeddah in the Middle East who put 100,000 of our MiFi's in every single car. And they put these MiFi's in the car for a very nice user experience over there where you can drive your car to the desert and still be connected back in 2008, 2009. So it was very popular. When I left my previous company, this customer called me and they wanted to see how we can take their operation to the next level through the connected car, through the concepts of wireless. So my first trip to Jeddah, I've seen a picture like this. I went to the port where they get all these cars, 5,000, 10,000 cars from in a batch, in batches of mini boats. And then they park them like that. And that's where the car journey starts. And it's a massive dealership. They do like 400,000 vehicle a year. And they have very difficult efficiency situations where they need to solve because the margins for dealerships are, as you know, very low. So you have to be really extreme in your efficiencies. So first question I asked when I saw something like this, walking through a sea of cars, where the heck do you put the keys of these cars? without really buying 10,000 boxes or codes or something. And I was really impressed about the way they think about efficiency. So these cars are lined up in a queue, one to 10,000, and every car has a number. 
So you just need to hold one key, the first car, and every other car is put in the trunk on the next car. So if you have the first key, you have access to all the cars. So it's a way to solve a problem really at no cost, but all these cars move fast. So it's like one after the other, you have five or six drivers driving them and they know they get used on how to manage that whole key situation. So it puts you in a mode of really thinking out of the box to solve things very efficiently, but also by being mindful of cost and being mindful of acceptance and culture and all that. So now I had to travel the country and have it go to Japan, had to go to many places to really understand the journey of this car and to understand what the customer is looking for. The customer is looking for satisfaction of their buyers. How do they love the experience? How do they be repeat buyers? And at the same time, they want to make money, so they want to be extremely efficient. We're able to trace at the high level the car journey, so you can see car arrives to the port. From there, it's transported to a huge center, a huge parking. It's like it holds about 60,000 cars. And you really don't see the end of it when you walk there. You need to be driving in different cars to see it. And that place has a lot of challenges. Like these cars can sit there for two months. They have to be rotated all the time. You need to check their batteries. You need to make sure they don't turn into used car. They're brand new cars. There's definition of a used car versus a brand car done by the manufacturer. So there is a lot of logistics. So if you don't know the whereabouts of these cars very efficiently, and if you don't know their status is very efficiently, you can be losing a lot of money. You can see even cars sit there for a year or two and you don't even know they are there. So we looked at that, then those cars get dispatched to local distribution centers, to repair shops and to showroom. So really the lesson learned here is if you go relentless in terms of understanding your customer experience and understanding the product that you're selling and its journey, it helps you a lot to go after the low-hanging fruits in bringing in efficiencies to the operations. We came up with a dashboard like this. So think about it like you have your full inventory. You can see all the steps of that car journey life as they move every second. You see what arrived to the port, what's being taken from one place to another, going through inspection, all the processes they have to go through. What's nice about it, if you are running an operation like this, and you have visibility, transparency to all that data, it makes you make decisions on the fly and take care of issues as you go. Now, another one that Dr. Ast mentioned was getting into collision centers. So collision centers are like big factories. And this is really what get me excited when I first get exposed to healthcare. There's so many parallels between collision centers and hospitals. It's actually much more difficult to deal with a collision center than a hospital or a surgery center. You have to deal with 3,000 parts from a logistics standpoint to repair a car. A human being, I think there's maybe three or four parts. I'm not an expert, but that's the only ones you guys deal with. But it's logistically very difficult to deal with those situations. Also, the parking of the cars, the large number of cars and everything. So we traced a journey into a workshop. This is an example of a workshop. This is their parking when cars arrive. And this is when we turned on IoT, how that same parking looked like. It's like 100% full visibility to anything that car has. Is it repaired? Is it coming for repair? And then we came up with dashboards like this. So inside the workshop, you can see that how many cars have arrived, how much money. This is live as things happen. How much money was committed 
how many cars walked out for whatever reason so you can follow through with the customer, what was not approved by the insurance. And then you go through these 12 steps of repairing a car. I think in our industry today, if I look at the ASC market, there's maybe three or four steps without getting into the micro level of the OR, but it's much more simple, much easier. And then at the same time, you create this dashboard, you give it to the leadership and they see that color coding, which tells you if you are meeting your KPIs or not. If you're green, you're meeting KPI, orange, you're close and red, you're not meeting it. And as this goes every two milliseconds, you can take actions as the manager of that workshop. So to cross-pollinate these two industries, I think the common denominator in my view was vehicle journey versus patient journey. So I had the great opportunity to meet my two co-founders who are veterans of healthcare, more decades of healthcare industry experience. And when I shared a demonstration of the workshop live, immediately my friend surgeon, Dr. Batra said, wow, if you can do this in an ASC or in a hospital, this will be fantastic. You're going to solve a lot of problems. And we brought our team and we followed patient journeys end to end from surgeon office till discharge, till rehab. And we tried to go through a similar exercise within the world of the ASC and the hospital. So first thing that comes to mind is really you've got to focus on the patient journey and make sure if you maximize the time spent caring for patients, that is your biggest win. Everything will come together from there. You optimize the journey and you move the time from time wasted on many other activities that are inefficient to time spent on the patient. You're going to see everything is going to work for you from an ROI standpoint, from a patient satisfaction, from an efficiency standpoint. So we're going back to that, what we talked about for the workshop. Now let's look at how we do that for a patient journey in a surgery center. It is simple. You start with the waiting room, you go to the pre-op, to the OR, recovery, and there you are discharged. The first challenge is two different industries, a car sitting in a parking lot exposed to sun, exposed the, the technology doesn't work exactly the same way from a tracking standpoint. So you need to come up with a way to track that patient very cost effectively. You can do anything if you spend enough money on anything, but how do you bring the tracing of a patient journey to pennies. That was our first challenge to see, to create those two parallels. So without disrupting the process of the hospital or the surgery center, just give me visibility to all my patients every two milliseconds as they were around, walking around or uh, being in the surgery center. So the concept of a tag has been the right way to go. For us, in terms of safety, it's wearable, it's secure, reliable, it's very cost-effective, and it provides a great user experience. You really don't need to change any processes inside the surgery center or hospital. You just need to pair that beacon to a patient, and from there, all the magic happens in the background. We kind of created our little satellite system in a surgery center. It's really simple. It takes about half a day to set up, but it's just these listeners that listen to the bracelet to trace the patient. And then all of this really comes together like an orchestra. I told you the way we have this journeys traced, that's like the drum beat that's powering an orchestra. And that orchestra, the participant, our audience are the patients and their loved ones. That's who we cater to. 
but you have the orchestra, which consists of the staff, the nurses, the technicians, physicians, anesthesiologists, vendors. How do we bring all these stakeholders together and in a very simple way and show every one of them what they need to see for the service of that patient journey, for the optimization of that patient journey. So think about it as more like the technology that we try to bring from the auto industry into the surgery center is more or less optimizing that patient journey, tracing that patient journey. And now let's look at the challenges we have in healthcare. How do we apply that? Once we solve that problem, we know the whereabouts of the patient. We know all the timestamps of the patient. We collect 20 plus timestamps as the patient move around. How can we make use of that in applications, simple applications that we create ourselves or through partnerships to service that patient? Obviously, moving from the auto side to healthcare, when I met one of my surgeon friend, uh, he told me, welcome to healthcare, the problem you used to deal with mechanics, uh, now you're going to have to deal with nurses. Till now, I'm trying to find where the problem is. There's no problem with that. <laughs> I actually love the industry and the people who work in the industry. He was joking about it, but it's much harder to work in, in the auto industry than in the healthcare industry. And the challenge are really data security, of course. It's not like a car. Information about a car or information about a patient, the data privacy and the resistance to change, which has been huge. I mean, I've never seen resistance to change. I've seen in healthcare, honestly, from my experience, I come from an industry every nine months, we have to innovate, we have to launch products or we die. There's no notion of it's the consumer who accepts. Here we have so many layers of acceptance, rightfully because of the, the nature of the business, because this focus on safety, patient safety, data security and all that, which slows things down. And on top of that, there's a lot of legacy, of course, there and bad taste from technology of the years 2000 and, be, and before, where it was not ready to deal with these things. So let's look at the first applications we were able to leverage through tracing the patient journey. So how can we visualize the journey to the family members without nurses touching buttons, without anybody doing anything? It's just automatically patients arrive from their cell phone they get a text message and they have the ability to automatically see what's going on with their loved one. That was the first applications that we were able to deliver. And really this helped us tremendously in cutting incoming calls into the surgery center by 80%. I mean, many of these calls are viral. You make a phone call, the front desk doesn't know an answer. They escalate to two, three hops. So imagine with that visibility to the family, most of these calls go away. Then we started looking at all the stakeholders. What's next is the staff members. How are we going to reach out to the staff members and make them part of that orchestra? What we did for automotive was something like this. That's what staff members see. That's how they're measured, how they track their performance. In the world of an ASC, we created a dashboard inspired from the other one, but dedicated to what these tasks are. So you can see here in a very intuitive way, you can trace a patient journey you can show the flow of all your patients in a surgery center. Within like 10 seconds, you know what's going on in your center. Are the patients in the waiting room, in the pre-op? What's going on in the OR? What's going on in the recovery? The surgeon can see the beds of their patient. They see if their patients are ready to see the patients. And you get all these combination of statuses and patients moving around in just one on TV screen. And it helps streamline your operation. It helps you manage the flow of these patients efficiently. 
Now, I would like to use a term used by Dr. Charlie DeCook, who the author of 12 by 12. He talks about radical time transparency to achieve extreme efficiency. And here it's powered by IoT, by leveraging the Internet of Things. We're able to trace patient journeys very accurately and visualize the timestamps, the every phase of that patient journey. Here's a simple one, waiting room, pre-op, OR, PACU, with the times that on average you should be seeing. And you should be measuring every two milliseconds. And if you see it's taking action, if your pre-op time is 150 minutes, you can instantly know when you exceeded the mark of 45. So I'm going to show you how we dive deeper into looking at this journey. These are real patients where in blue is what has been scheduled from an OR time standpoint and in red what has been executed. And you can see sometimes we're completely outside the mark and sometimes we hit it perfectly. Now, there are technologies out there, to name a few, like one team, there's ProMap, there's a lot of other technologies I've seen where you can dive deeper into that blue-red segments and see the progress of surgery. So we work with those companies to give more visibility, the micro-visibility to the patient journey to create more efficiencies. This is a slide where I'm trying to explain a real situation of a day of surgery in a surgery center. This is a surgery center of three operating rooms. That day they had three surgeons. And these are 12, I believe there's 12 patients which went through. And that's the sequence of patients coming through the surgery center. And that's the timeline. The color code shows you how much time they spent in the waiting room, pre-op, orange is OR, and green is recovery. And that's the average times for that whole day in terms of time spent. It is not a good day. It's by any measure from the hundreds of thousands of surgeries we've seen, you can do much better than this. Now, let's look at what if once you get deep into the analytics of this and start taking action, because you should be able to get instantly how efficient you are. This is like the blood pressure test for a surgery center. I am 20% efficient, like I showed in the earlier slide here, by measuring your scheduling efficiency, it's like blood pressure number for the operations guy. If I am operating at 34%, I'm terrible. I'm costing the center money. And I can show you how much money you could be costing. If you're operating at 72, you're amazing. You're doing everything you do. I don't think anybody can operate at 99, hitting those kind of windows. So going back here, if we just say, Every surgery going to start on time. Keep the wait time. You're not impacting anything. One factor, just start your surgeries on time. You see the segment under the large segments. That's what is scheduled for starting the surgery. If you're able to start on time or within 10 minutes of what you committed to, for this day of surgery, for this surgery center, you save 110 minutes for the last patient. So you can close the surgery center 110 minutes before the just operation with zero visibility to what's going on. Physicians, we looked at the three physicians, on average, they leave 65 minutes after their last patient. And this can translate to ROI for the physician and for the surgery center. Going back to the previous dashboard where I talked about the equivalent of the OR dashboard for the auto industry, here I would like to show you what can be done with many suppliers out there right now today with the AI involved, you can fully visualize your operating room schedule 
and power it by IoT and have it refresh every two seconds to tell you what's going on with your operation. Think of, for example, one click and you can look a month down the road and it gives you the optimal way of managing your surgeries, which surgeon, which OR, managing the vendors and all that. This is through all the big data collected is being done. Having visibility to what's going on inside the OR from the vendors. So you avoid all these phone calls by notifying your vendors. You have the capability to have them see chunks of the day of operation that's relevant to their business. Automatically hiring a nurse, for example, if a month from now or weeks from now you see shortages of staff, you have the capability from the intelligent dashboard to escalate this lack of staff and start contacting the right people and getting them accept and getting them show up as staff members like overlaid on this. Now, I want to jump to one last slide here where we can show the utilization of the OR as patients go in and out by surgeon name, by type of specialty. And we can earlier, there's a key in the previous discussion, there was talk about $20 per minute in the ASC. Here, we can overlay every minute cost for every OR because all the data is flowing through that OR dashboard. So there are systems out there where by measuring the patient journey and by calculating all these costs involved from a time of staff and from implants and all that, you can every two milliseconds update your PNL and see what's going on and take corrective actions to optimize your PNL. So I hope this gives you a view of my experience trying to go across industries. And thank you very much for the opportunity. That was fascinating. Again, having thank heard that story a couple of times, it really does highlight some of the ways that a, I think healthcare is a challenge because like we didn't learn these lessons a long time ago, but at the same time, it gives us a real opportunity to say that the future, we're going to do a lot from the inside, but if we bring in some of these ideas from the outside, we can really make a big difference. Now, you hit on something that you and I love to talk about, which for a long time, no one talked about, and that was staffing. One of the challenges across healthcare right now is staffing, is the challenge of we don't have enough nurses, there's a huge nursing shortage, there's a lot of challenges in staffing and in staffing models and ASCs. And you mentioned that if you use the technology correctly, you can sort of change that. What do you think the future of staffing models looks like if you apply the correct technology? If we look at the big challenge today is where we see a lot with our customers is the ability to staff that OR dashboard and have visibility for a few weeks. Having the capability to look down like three, four, five weeks and knowing what staff members are missing are not committed, what type of specialties are not committed, knowing your pool of resources, having an interface to other systems that are expert in bringing that staff, you can instantly, I would say, having the experience of hiring an Uber driver, maybe in a couple of years, where you can get the technician you miss, you can get the nurse you miss to staff your OR, just because a lot of background work has to be done, of course, in terms of qualifying who that uh, population of staff is. And the experience, in my view, soon would be one click and you'll be able to get bunch of talent you can choose from. And it's a win-win for both sides because you can avoid cancellation of surgeries on one side and you can offer opportunities for staff members to work in different places. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to think of it that way, right? We've, again, brick-and-mortar hospitals and the traditional provision of healthcare 
has been its fixed costs in fixed settings, and you sort of deal with those costs. And this is obviously a very different way of looking at it and say, no, we only spend the money when we need it, and all we need is the technology to be able to spend at the right time. Speaking of spending money, because every single time I talk to my hospital or my healthcare system or other healthcare systems about spending money, the initial answer is no. It's, it's more money. More money is bad. It's not in the budget. We'll put it in the budget. Negative. And you said something very interesting while you were speaking. You said, and I'm going to paraphrase you. I apologize. But you said, you can fix any problem you want if you're willing to spend enough money. There's always a way to spend more money. But where's the balance of throwing money at a problem and responsibly spending that money? And then what's the right economic model to do it for things like technology, in your opinion? I think that goes back to the return on investment. And that return on investment could be in terms of financial investment, or it could be measured in patient satisfaction, could be measured in overall efficiency of staff members. In my view, you need to have, like financially, that's an easy one to do. And you can do a trial and you can measure those efficiencies and see that you are getting that ROI, that 5x, 10x ROI that you targeted. Or I think you can also look at patient experience, patient outcomes, measure that through trials or through existing testimonials from other uh, partners. So I think the decision makers have a lot of tools to be able to vet that, those situations and spend the money efficiently. And do you think there's a particular business model or payment model that works best for these types of technologies that sort of overlie the whole experience? So we always talk about when we start thinking about surgical technology, we talk about is it better for to have a capital purchase versus a per case purchase, right? These are more like, in my mind, like subscription models. Like I pay for Netflix. I pay for a month and I use it as much as I use it or don't use it. And I decide whether it was worth it that month if my kids asked me to pay for something that wasn't on Netflix. Like that's how my life works in my house where we've got to pay for cartoons. But what do you think? Is there a right model? Is a subscription model? Is a purchase model? Is a capital purchase model? And is it different across centers? I am for like a subscription model, like some sort of recurring revenue for the supplier with recurring impact done by the supplier for the customer. When you purchase a solution and you're paying for that solution monthly, I'm sure it passed the first gate ROI to select that solution, but this should be a journey with your supplier. Your supplier should be giving you recurring impact inefficiencies, in customer satisfaction, innovation. So you stay with them and you're happy to pay that monthly, whatever it is, a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars. I am a proponent of that because that it's a fair balance between what the supplier offers and stay with that partner and what the partner is getting. And at any time that connection is not working, they can sit down and find other ways to fix those issues. That's great. Well, I want to thank you again for your time thank this morning. You. I think it was really wonderful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we did, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. <laughs>